Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 402, covering Q&A and The Trouble with Edward, with Brian Lynch. Hi, friends. Guess what? We're doing Star Trek again. It's, it's about goddamn time. It's back. It's been forever, but it's back. Yes, and uh, is this a Brian is show? here to... Yeah, apparently so. I yeah. mean, it's news to all of us, but... I'm uh, gonna I have thought... to... I was, uh... Just, uh, move some of the, I was... I thought I was here to do the time tunnel again. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. If you make us watch one more thing with Robin Hood, I will be very cross indeed. Oh, if, if the opportunity comes up, I'm gonna make you watch so much more things with Robin Hood. Oh, no. Hey, get it me won't. and my brother on, and we could, uh, do the Super Mario Brothers Super Show episode about Robin Hood. <laughs> Oh, please no. <laughs> Let's do Star Trek instead. How about that? Yeah, that yeah. sounds All pretty right, good. Fine. All right, if you yeah. insist. We're we're easing our way back. We're we're just sticking our toes in the water with the short treks. There, uh, this this is this promises to be a very brief podcast because we're covering, I think, like twenty minutes of showtime. Maybe mm-hmm. yours was if that. I I don't want I don't want to uh, jump on anything, but yours was um uh, extremely uh what do they call it uh bottle yeah it was a bottle show. Uh, only right. in a set that I don't think we've ever seen, so I don't know if that counts as a bottle show. I kind of like the idea that it's a bottle show within a bottle show. Like, they don't leave the ship, but they also don't leave the elevator. <laughs> right, but the point, as as Brian's alluding to, the point of a bottle show is to save money and to shoot on an existing set, and mm. they probably had to build this one. <laughs> and neither of the people that were in it were regulars. They were both guest stars. Mm-hmm. Does that... is. I'm thinking for season two, maybe they. I don't know. I don't um, know how TV works anymore. But yeah, one of them, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it doesn't matter. I don't know how much you have to pay somebody for a webisode. No, me neither. I think that's, I think that's what the Writers Guild keeps going on strike about. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, rightfully so. This felt like, you know, these both felt like short episodes of a TV show. They they did not feel like, you know, cheap, let's just knock out a quick thing for the internet. This, these, this felt like the show. Yeah, they mm-hmm. look good. I should get paid for that stuff. Yeah. I, li- I like these more than a lot of the actual show. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, kidding. Same. That because the tone of these is willing to be more experimental and mm-hmm. try new and different things, and mm-hmm. Discovery does not know what the hell it is yet. <laughs> All right, let me let me tell you what happens in the first one, which I was sorely disappointed. By the way, is not a uh, John Delancey centric episode called Q and A. Here we go. Ensign Spock reports for his new posting on the USS Enterprise and meets number one. They get stuck in an elevator. Singing happens, then they get unstuck from the elevator. Not, I think, as a result of the singing, but I suppose we can't rule that out. And really, that's all that happens. I suppose I could make something up about Chief O'Brien and Barkley hunting werewolves, but Matt already did that a long time ago. And uh, look, I'm not complaining that I have to summarize an 11-minute story that mostly takes place in a single confined space, but I guess I'm also not not complaining about that either it's nice to be talking about star trek again but this is really all i have to say about this one okay bye <laughs> yep that's one time okay so one time randy beamish's yes. parents got stuck in an elevator together and when they opened it up they were skeleton people <laughs> okay, okay bye. bye yep that's exactly what i was going for <laughs> no it's it is we talked about uh, how b- difficult it was to summarize a few different things recently like um Bravest Warriors or uh, the Royal Family. But, you know, literally two people in a room for a very brief time. Yeah, what do you do? No plot, really, which is no. fine. It's a character piece. It's a two-hander. But 
you know, hard to summarize. Well, and I like seeing these two characters character charactering it up, you know. Yeah, and I like these actors. Mm-hmm. And so. I, I really liked the, the, the basic conceit from which the title comes is that number one gets annoyed with Spock at not asking any questions and just following her and waiting to be told but, something. So she tells him flat out, ask me a question. And he comes up with some completely random thing, which was clearly intended to be like, look at me, I'm the smartest boy. But then he has mm-hmm. to keep asking questions and it's it's a good it's a good hook. That's true. And mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, I like her saying specifically ask me lots of questions until you get annoying. Mm -hmm. And then she seems bothered that she gets annoyed by him later. I didn't quite get that. It's like, what were you like? What were you expecting? You can tell him to stop at literally any time, but I think it would be if she told him to stop, then she'd be the one backing down. Ah, so I think it wasn't that she was, yeah, she was annoyed at herself for getting annoyed with him because she's the one that started it and she can't stop it without. Yeah. Like rhetorical chicken. (laughs) (laughs) She's really playing it against herself. Right. Spock is the chicken board on which I don't know how that that that, that that's not how chicken works. No, it's when two cars drive toward each other and one of them has to swerve. It's too late. I've already started the analogy. Spock is the chicken board and she's playing both sides of it. <laughs> Wait, so is this the chicken board that the chicken sits on and then you ask it math questions? Exactly. And if the chicken and if the chicken slides over to the yes or no or lays an egg on one of the letters, then you know that the ghost is giving you the answer. <laughs> Okay, so you take wow. the chicken board across the river. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, because then you've left the fox board and the grain board on the other side. <laughs> Where does the ghost get fit into this? Oh, that's easy. No Look house is inside. haunted. <laughs> wow, this went off the rails quickly. This no is kidding. what reviewing Star Trek is like. It's been a while. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, like, again, not a ton to talk about, but I mean, you know, we no, all have goods and bads things. Yeah. So, Brian, why don't you start with your good thing? Oh, okay. Um, I like any time we see how turbo lifts work. Um, mm. It rarely makes sense. There's there's not room inside the ship for these things to do what they do. It's 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 a vast, like, r- it feels like most of the ship is just empty except for turbo lift tubes. Yeah. yeah, it's like a transporter that takes you anywhere you want to go in the ship, except somehow it works physically instead of by beaming. They're, why don't yeah. they just use transporters? Yeah, I don't know. There was a, a Bruce Coville book I read when I was a kid where the it was on a spaceship and the door to every room was just a transporter. And so you just typed in what room you wanted to go to and then walked into it and you'd wind up in the room. So you could enter any oh. room from any other room. So the interior of the ship was just, they could put it in whatever the hell order they felt like. I always assumed that there was like, say, a one in a hundred thousand chance that the transporter is going to go wrong and you just want to minimize your use of it to, to play the odds you don't I mean, want to use based, the transporter constantly based on star trek uh, there's probably like a one in like 50 chance yeah seriously well yeah but on paper they would they wouldn't be able to sell it for use on on, on ships if they if it was one in 50 they have ship, to say that it's ship you know, would just be lousy with clones yep captain we got three guys that are one guy again son of a bitch okay captain, well, they can harmonize second, at least. second lieutenant is a baby again no oh. And that's where my spinoff comes in, Lieutenant Baby. (laughs) He just finished teething, and now he beamed back to pre-teething. We gotta go through all that again? He's a pilot, and he can't even reach the ship pedals. Why does the ship even have pedals? (laughs) Oh, hey guys, hey guys, wait, wait, baby driver. Oh, Lord. Baby, uh, (laughs) no, no. Matt, what were you gonna say? Oh, just the way you phrase that is just like, and he was only two days away from teething. Yeah, (laughs) from from baby retirement. (laughs) That's what you call uh, when they're finished teething, right? Yeah, exactly. Baby retirement. I uh, swore I'd never have to go back to this. Takes out a teething ring from the freezer. <laughs> Getting too old for this poo-poo. I like that we've now created that they already had like a two-year-old officer. 
who mm-hmm. has turned into a baby, and that's the crisis. Yeah, and it's not like a one of those Kess races where, you know, she's still, like, a functional adult. Like, no, a baby. An this is just baby. the ship's baby. Yes. Well, you just, <laughs> hey, now that everybody old... knows, now everybody knows that people like babies and they're uh, streaming science fiction media now, so. <laughs> Get ready it's for baby It's an old naval stock. tradition. <laughs> it's an old naval tradition, the ship's baby. <laughs> Can't sail out of port without a baby. <laughs> It is bad luck to be leaving without a baby. (laughs) Gotta hang the bassinet either up on the crow's nest or like over the figurehead or, you know, like there's all kinds of places to dangle that baby. Babies are night, sailor's delight. (laughs) I mean, most people's delight, really. They're very cute. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Matt, what was your good thing about this episode? Certainly not babies, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) I'm not a fan either. Uh, I really liked the musical number, and I really liked them getting into the musical number. I thought it was adorable. You mean the completely out of nowhere musical number? Sure. <laughs> All right. I'll the take it, man. I, I've been bored in an elevator before. The thing is, I liked it, but I didn't, like, I'm just going to get to my bad thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, so there's like a giant scene missing, right? Like, number one's being this weird hard ass who gets annoyed when Spock does the thing she asked him to do, and we talked about that. But then suddenly they're friends, and she's singing a song, like... It felt like there was a whole beat of development missing where she suddenly come like he's like, Why do you why are you always reserved around humans? And then mm. she just oh da, 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 like sh- what? Well huh? it was, it I was, mean that's it, one way to dodge a conversation. It was, I guess no, so. it's tied into it because she because she was talking about him smiling and she said, like, listen, you you do you, your thing, you be weird in whatever way you're weird, but know that people are going to get uncomfortable if they see a Vulcan smile. So if you want to be in command, there's parts of yourself you're going to have to hide. And so as part of the Q&A thing, he says, like, well, what are you hiding? And I guess what she's hiding is that she's got a spring in her step and a song in her heart. <laughs> I, I guess that just it felt like one of those like, oh, Gates McFadden can tap dance. Let's see if we can work that in. Only we don't get enough Rebecca Romaine to justify wasting her on a musical number. You know what I mean? I like, mean, I liked it. I'm not going to say I didn't like it. Yeah. I did like it. But. We've seen her on screen for 10 minutes and she's had like 30 lines mm-hmm. and some and of them are hamburgers. singing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like that. It just, it felt like if she'd been around for a bit and then she burst into song, like if Tilly burst into song, it's like, okay, you've earned that. I will actually say, speaking of song selection, that was the one problem. Cause I, I didn't mind that. Like, okay. She's like, her weird thing is singing. And she's like, all right, Spock was honest with me. I'm going to be honest mm. with him. Whatever. We're mm-hmm. just stuck in an elevator. But I think that, I think it was a bad choice of song. Because for, it's... Really, you think that. I've literally heard you sing that at karaoke. Yeah, you literally have. No, I don't <laughs> think it's a bad song. I think it was a bad choice of song. Like, for one thing, it's, like, the most bargain basement pull you could possibly make from Gilbert and Sullivan. It's, it's yeah. like, it's the basic one. Um, and Also, they, Star Trek's done this before. Well, and that's the thing, is that they've literally performed this exact song on Star Trek before. This is the one that... Hold on, I just remembered. This song has been performed on two episodes of Star Trek. I've been on this show for both of them, and I've complained about the song choice both times. Because <laughs> ah, the last time, Bevera was making Jordy sing it, and I was saying that is a terrible oh, yeah. part for him to play. Yep. Yeah. Because no, he would be very next... ill-cast in that role. Yep. The next time it came up was in uh, Insurrection, yeah. which you were not on. No, for, in Insurrection, think. they were doing uh, Pinafore. Ah, okay. Um, they were doing uh, A British Tar. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, no, because she could have still done to Gilbert and Sullivan. Star Trek likes Gilbert and Sullivan, I guess. But, you know, uh, do like, again, uh, my eyes are fully open to my awful damage. situation uh, or something hmm. like that. That could be thematically tied in. And it's nope, got a little gotta... counterpoint bit at the end for Spock to sing on. 
I guess so. I don't know. I yeah. just, I, uh, <laughs> it didn't make sense to me, but whatever. Uh, but I will say my good thing, I, this all felt like sort of a retcon explaining why Spock and number one are so similar. Like the real reason is a production reason because mm-hmm. like they started out with a character that was supposed to be this sort of like reserved stoic character. And they're like, oh, it can't be a woman. The network told them. So they're like, okay, we'll make that Spock, which is fine. And it's also sort of a explanation of why Spock was like the women <laughs> in the cage. And it's not too bad. Like, I don't love those enterprise brand. Let's explain everything that ever happened stuff. But for character things, like it's not so bad. Like this, this kind of fills in why Spock was that yeah. way early on. And it makes them friends, which I kind of liked. And it was at least character driven. It wasn't like yeah. explaining some nitpicky detail that I don't care about. Well, the like, a lot of that stuff, a lot of that stuff, you know, it's just it's not important, and they want to make it important. Yeah, why like, are the Klingons' foreheads different? Who cares? Exactly. But having you know, ha- having them go back to the cage and be like, "Well, Spock smiles and sort of acts out of character in this," that's like diving into that's interesting if you're going to be mm-hmm. dealing with young Spock. Yeah. The thing is, they already explained why Spock yells. The, well, yeah, the, the women. <laughs> <laughs> He was very upset about the women. The uh-huh. women were there, you know? Obviously. No, they weren't. They were gone. Oh, That's no. The, the women. They, they had been taken from the ship is when he yelled that. See, now you get it. Uh-huh. I know this because I've seen the cage 87 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, what was your bad thing? I was just about to say, what if uh, they did the cage again, but on Discovery, and then I remembered they did. They did. They did? <laughs> yeah. We so, liked it. It was good, yeah. No, it was one of the better cages. That's previously on I've ever seen. Yeah. Yes. Um, a bad thing. Where is it? I lost it. Here it is. Um, okay. It's really dumb that number one doesn't have a name. Uh, uh you're wrong. She does, well, and they say it. Well, no. He says, uh, they is do. that your name? And then she's like, maybe. <laughs> like it is. They've said it in a different episode. Did they say it in oh, the on screen? Because yes. I know that's one yes. that they've said off screen. No, oh, it's been it's been in books and comics and stuff that's, for that's years. That's that I, I was... knew about. I was super excited because in a, a different episode of Disco, it's they confirmed like the really last episode it. of uh, season two or something. Yeah, it was no, it was definitely season two. And I, I must I think have just Pike, missed that. Okay, Pike had like a personal moment with her or something, and he's like, "Una, you can't do this or whatever." And like, I was like, "Oh, good, it's canon now. She has mm-hmm. a name." Well, I I will still hold, even though I'm slightly modifying my thing for it. It, it is okay. dumb that Spock does not know her name. It is dumb that her name is somehow some sort of secret. That And I get that they're playing with this, you know, this idea of, like, from the fans, number one doesn't have a name, except now it's, no, now it's even dumber, because they've said it on screen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you're not wrong. Her name is not a killing word. You can that, say it. He, he comes, yeah, he comes on, uh, uh, he comes onto the ship, and then she's like, hello, it's me, your new boss and the first officer of the flagship of the Federation, clearly a highly decorated officer who has received many commendations. And he's like, hmm, what's your name? And she's like, I'll never tell. <laughs> if you say it three times, I return to my home dimension. <laughs> First, you must solve my riddles. <laughs> or I guess I must solve your riddles, because... Yes. <laughs> uh, Matt, is what it, was your bad thing? Is it true that if you guess her name, she'll grant a wish for you? <laughs> yes, but only... Una wish. <laughs> oh yeah, that's also dumb that her name means one. Her full name uh, is is Una Dos. Her name some, is like some... Una Primus Primero. Oh god. I feel like some book author, some like that's been around for years. That's been around at least since the eighties. That's some Peter David shit right there. Yeah, it, it might have been Peter David actually, yeah. Her name is Optimus Prime. 
Ugh, no wonder I don't like her. Except I do like her, so that doesn't track at all. <laughs> Matt, what was your bad thing? Oh, yeah. Why are all the Enterprise uh, chief engineers Scottish? Is that a bad thing? It's, it Well, look, there's not a whole lot of content left to stiff bad things out of. <laughs> I just That's think it's fair. weird. All right. Also, what is up, John? I'm not going to say it. Are you I was, say I it? was, I was waiting for. I was. It's Matt. We can't. None of us are going to take the bait. <laughs> no, this episode sorry. will go on forever. One Whoa. of one of my students asked me about Updog the other day, and I was like, "What is that?" And they got real mad. At, <laughs> they got real mad at me. Could you tell me the explanation for Updog, please? Mm-hmm. And they were like, "What? What do you mean, Mr. Lynch?" And I was like, "That that thing you just said. What is that? Mm-hmm. Tell and me about like, what." And I was like, "You mentioned something about Updog. Can you tell me what that is?" <laughs> define Updog. <laughs> Define up. Yes. Let's Stand be, in front of the class be, and define. Let's be clear up-dog. on the meaning of updog before we go forward. <laughs> Just write it on the bo- on the board. Uh-huh. Does up-dog. anyone know this? Am I spelling this right? Uh-huh. It could be an AWD. So, her her being Scottish was obviously a reference. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, it's, it's obviously you know. Hey, remember that guy? First of all, I don't know why it can't just be Scotty. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we saw the chief engineer in the cage, so it could have been him then. Yep. But I did like could have like, been Jose. She Tyler. had. What's that? Could have been Jose Tyler. Mm-hmm. It, no, because he was on the bridge. Oh, right. He was the pilot. I thought he was the engineer. Yeah. yeah I, don't right. think, yeah. I don't think we did have a chief engineer in the cage. No, I don't think they had an engineering set yet. Um, but They I did, didn't like, realize her... that was important yet. Or they just had, like, they didn't have room for it. Like, mm. we'll build it for another episode. But, uh, no, I liked her. Like, she had one of the, like, I think she had a different kind of accent than the one Scotty's is supposed oh, to definitely. be. Oh, which is, which is James Doohan doing a really fake accent. But, mm-hmm. like. The one Simon Pegg did, I mean. Like, hers is the other one. And, I don't know. I liked her. All right. I liked, I liked how weird and motor-mouthy and nervous she was. Everyone just keeps hanging up on her for some reason. Yeah, that was that was rude, but I get it. Well, that's TV for you. They never they never say goodbye before they hang up. That always <laughs> bugs me. You will, notice in, you will notice in Endeavor scripts, if someone hands somebody, someone else, something, I, I will always have them say thank you. <laughs> well, it's radio, so you have to. You can't show them doing it anyway. Yeah, but it w- if it wasn't, it, I would still say it because it drives me nuts. Well, yes. No, I'm, you know, you were raised to be polite. Also, you're Canadian, so you feel bad if you're not polite. The one that always gets me is that if they, if they're, if people are driving in a car on TV, they'll have their seatbelts on. But if they show them getting in the car, they never show them putting the seatbelts on. Yeah. I just don't notice stuff like that because it doesn't matter to me. It's all I notice. You know what? Yeah, I know. You know what, Al? Safety matters. Yeah. <laughs> Shake hands with courtesy. (laughs) Now, there's another riff track short about a, it's called Courtesy Counts a Lot, and there's like a really insipid children singing, Courtesy Counts a Lot. It's awful. You used to laugh at courtesy, and now I realize that was rude. (laughs) Then I meant, then I realized I meant Curtis. I was laughing at Curtis, because fuck (laughs) that guy. Oh. All right. Anything I else? We have looked up the history of number one's name just so that we can find out how old it is. Uno I was have first used up in the Up Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out they were trying to get me to say, What's up, dog? Uh, apparently, <laughs> the first time Uno was used was no, 2016. Wow. No, no, canonically, quarter? yes, but not in books. No, in, a, think, uh, in, a, a, in a pocket TOS novel by Greg Cox. I've um, read that book. I know the one they're talking about. Mm. And now, because it says I'm, in uh, Star Trek Early Voyages, her name was interrupted by other dialogue. which started with an EU. In Vulcan's Glory, DC Fontana said that her name was number one. Okay. Um, in another Captain's Table novel, she was given the last name Leffler. Oh, boy. 
Oh, oh wow. That's, in uh, Star Trek II Biographies, her name was Lee Hudek, which is Mitchell oh, Barrett's sh- real name. Shit, right. yeah, it was a number. It, that was a fucking Peter David. Oh, God. Uh, no, Peter David. Yep, Morgan, Morgan Primus. Morgan Primus. And, and she was Robin Leffler's mother. That was some fucking fan fiction shit. Like, ugh. Yeah, but that's Peter David. It sure fucking was. <laughs> yeah. That's Peter David. That's yeah. the shit I loved at the time, and now I'm like, God, you're not actually a very good writer, and it took me a long time no, to realize that. I don't that. think he's not a good writer. I just, it's, you know. I think, I think stuff, he's man. a good writer who thinks he's very clever. <laughs> and <laughs> sometimes yes. is, and... He just needs someone to rein him in sometimes. Stay tuned for our spinoff podcast, That's Peter David, where we make up stuff about Star Trek characters and say, <laughs> that's Peter David. <laughs> Shrug. All right. Anything else about this one? I, I think don't think it. so. It's very All brief right. and very fun, but mm-hmm. very brief. Then, Captain Pike likes horses. We, we will do my quote. Oh, no. Did is, I? Uh, one of the many questions. Ah. What are the three most salient facts about Captain Pike? One, his capacity for hearing out another point of view is exceeded only by his willingness to change his own once he's heard you out. Two, Even though he is the most heavily decorated fighting captain in Starfleet, he views resorting to force as an admission of failure. Three, he is utterly unsentimental, except when it comes to horses. Which, you know, not funny, but I liked it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just very, you know, I like, I like even, like, he's barely in it. He only shows Mm -hmm. up at the very end, Pike does, but uh, he just, you know, sounds like a good dude. Sounds like a good Starfleet guy, and I, I just, I like being reminded, like, oh, captains aren't always murderous, genocidal assholes. Sometimes they're, you know, good people. I really like that bit about how, like, you know, combat's like a last resort for him. Yeah, that was part of the, my quote. Yeah, exactly. Did, didn't you hear it, Matt, when I played it just now? Sure. No, I, I think, heard it with my ears. I think that mm-hmm. horse thing I just mentioned was also part of it. Yeah. I mean, yes, it was. I heard that that horse, that, how are we doing? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, dog? <laughs> Oh, uh, all right. Well, you mean what's up there? It's a henway. Oh, what is up, horse? <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving forward to the trouble with Edward. This Brian, one, this one actually has a tell plot. Us what happens? Yes, that was nice of them. <clears throat> Aboard the USS Enterprise, Captain Pike sends off his science officer. Another one? Jeez, Chris, if you love having science officers so much, why don't you marry? having science officers nailed it anyway he sends off his science officer commander battle angel alita to her new job captain of the uss sebastian cabot a science ship the place is lousy with science officers frankly i'm surprised pike didn't put in for the job himself (laughs) captain lucero as she is actually named gets on well with her crew who are assigned to provide assistance to a small planet on the edge of klingon space the soil department is working on ph levels the water department is working on purification and the agriculture department is doing some great things with radishes and then there's Edward. Edward Larkin is, um, well, you remember how Reg Barkley kind of rubbed people the wrong way at first, but when the chips are down, he admitted he needed help, reached out to his colleagues, and proved himself to be a valuable member of the crew? Okay, now take out everything except rubs people the wrong way. Oh, and instead of being a weird creep like Barkley, he's a weird creep who's also an asshole. He's got a bristly beard, a bad attitude, and the honeyed voice of an angel. <laughs> Edward wants to develop Tribbles as a potential food source on the planet, except he thinks they breed too slowly. Oh dear. The captain decides it would be better for him to work on primary food sources, so he decides to go over her head and write a bunch of anonymous letters to try to get her fired. She reassigns him for insubordination, so he figures it's a good time to start the Tribble project. 
take that triple DNA, you mix in a little Edward DNA, baby, you got a stew going. <laughs> Engineering faster breeding triples goes about as well as you'd expect. Instead of their usual gradual spread, these new super triples are popping out of each other like gizmo laying eggs. Soon, the ship is overrun. Wires are chewed through, instruments are smashed, the radish guy is crushed under a pile of triples, shouting, Tell my great-grandson to carry on my work! <laughs> Brought it back around. In the end, the ship must be abandoned as Edward chooses to stay behind, shouting mad scientist things like, Who's laughing now? And you'll see, you'll all see, and even the moon is frightened of me. <laughs> We close with Captain Lucero at a tribunal, opening her defense by telling her superiors that Edward was an idiot, presumably because nobody told her you can swear on Star Trek now. Then there's a joke commercial. It was pretty good. What? No, I'm not doing a no-tribble-at-all joke. It's too easy. I was seriously wondering. Like, well, <laughs> obviously one's going to go here, because, yeah, of course. I was trying just to think. Like... I was like, what's... And I was like, no, the only way to do it is to just say the thing. No, of course. <laughs> yeah, obviously. It doesn't really work. It's not this... a joke, then. It's just me saying a thing. I mean, that's about half of what we do anyway. <laughs> you just say a thing. Well, yeah, but if I honk a horn after it, then uh, people know it's a joke. Of course. <laughs> so this one felt not like anything we've seen before. I loved this. It was insane. I really I liked figured it. you would. This is right up your alley. I uh -huh. loved the heck out of it. I it did. Like, it starts normal and just takes a like a sharp left turn into completely nuts. It feels like the first act of every superhero movie in the 90s, like where the, the misunderstood scientist, like, does, like his funding gets cut and he goes mm. back to the lab one more time and Kills something Ed goes Bagley horribly Jr. wrong. And, what's that? Kills Ed Bagley Jr. Yes. Or uh, Christopher Walken pushes him out a window or yeah, exactly. whatever. There you go. Um, well, Batman movie sure had a formula, didn't they? <laughs> they sure did. I mean, that's fine. Jack Palance has but, him shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, Jack Palance. <laughs> Talk about people I see in old movies. John John Glover like... pushes him into a uh, <laughs> stack of chemicals. <laughs> stack of question marks. <laughs> <laughs> no, he like seriously, like you say, Brian, at the end he he sounds just like a straight up supervillain. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that was real I, I I I should have written down what he actually said because it really was some prime mad scientist stuff. By the way, even the moon is frightened of me. I just want to let everybody know is actually something that uh, the Invisible Man said in the movie The Invisible Man. It's my favorite I, mad scientist. Is line that the ever. that's the Claude Rains one? Yeah, right? the Claude Rains one. Even the moon is frightened of me. Yeah, that's, I, I that's just saw that recently, oh, and love that. Uh, my favorite part of that movie is when he gleefully throws his pants off and tells <laughs> everyone, "My pants are off. Look at me, wee." <laughs> the the, straight up the best part of that movie is that they wanted Colin Clive, uh, who played um, uh, Dr. Frankenstein in Frankenstein, mm -hmm. but he was unavailable. And so they got Claude Rains, and he's basically just doing a really mean Colin Clive impression <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> That's the voice he decided to go with, and I love it. But anyway, he's like that level of mad scientist by the end. Yeah. The big one was, no, like, it's... I'm not dumb. You thought I was dumb. You're dumb. Mm-hmm. No, and I don't. I did you mention that it was H. John Benjamin? I, I did not. I did. It is. I did yes. mention uh, his his lovely voice, but it, yeah, it, oh, is, yes. it is John Benjamin uh, of Archer yeah, and, and Bob's Burgers fame. Yeah, that's no, actually was... my good thing. Is I I have almost never seen this guy like in the live action thing. Like I yeah. have, I knew, I I recognized him, but mm -hmm. I, obviously, I, like the things Brian just named are the things we all know him from, which is voice acting. Mm -hmm. And it was like, wait, is that? And then he opened his mouth like, hey, it, this is me. It's like, yeah, it's him. Yay. Mm -hmm. And it was very, like, it was clearly written for him. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's straight up in his. Well, what I was saying before we started recording was, like, he's got a, he's got, he does not change his voice, but as a voice actor, he's got incredible range. Because, mm -hmm. like, yep. 
Bob and Archer may have the exact same voice, but the the performances could not be more different. Mm-hmm. Well, but, what Matt has told me mm-hmm. on a number of occasions is because I can kind of do this voice. And he's like, yeah, you do a pretty good Bob. You can't do Archer. I'm yeah. Like, what are you talking about? They're the same voice. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Because once you put Archer energy into it, like it. it yeah. It changes. No, my, yeah, my entire it's, it's not Linda. I, I can't. Yeah. No, I can't yell in that There's voice. Archer's at all, always all running Archer. somewhere. Yeah. And he's always yelling. I can't yeah. do that. Bob's so, just like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing this I, now. I guess I'm bisexual now and talking mm-hmm. to a turkey. That's all fine. That's oh, my fun. God. Oh, I was yeah, watching I love Bob's this. Burgers. Yeah, yeah. It's a Can we do post atomic Bob's Burgers? Mm, no, because I will just make my bad thing Linda every single week. She is the worst character in the entire world. Oh, I like Linda. Sad. Yeah. Oh my god, I hate her so much. <laughs> She's just my mother, and I hate her so much. Ah, okay, now it makes more sense. <laughs> yes. Uh let's let's keep doing good things though. Uh, uh Brian, what do you got? I don't know. Can I make a John Benjamin also? Nope. Oh, fine. Uh, I got here first. I like the look of the uh, USS Cabot. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like a like like a work ship. It's not there to be flashy. It is just a saucer with two big nacelles that wrap around it on top and bottom, and they're kind of sloped, which makes it look a little. I don't know. It looks like a looks like a space tractor or something. <laughs> like, it, it looks like a ship that's there to do work. Okay. And New Star Trek ships I like always it. make me happy. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's it, yeah, it's, and it's a good design. And the show's not terribly bad at sort of like taking that Starfleet aesthetic mm-hmm. and and you know not retconning it so much that it's like well that's not that wouldn't be around back then. Yeah, it's a thing of ours like because there's like the basic Starfleet, which is a body, a saucer, and two nacelles sticking off to the side in some arrangement. Yeah. And sometimes when they get too far away from that, you look at it and you're like, that eh, doesn't really read like Starfleet to me. Yeah, this one does. This one reads yeah, like Starfleet. It looks- while good. looking quite different, and it well, I it, always... it also it looks like the ship that a captain would have on their first command. Like here's here's your starter yeah. ship. I I always like my my head cannon was you know the real reason that there weren't a huge huge variety of ships in the original series is they didn't have the models. But yeah, my head cannon was always it's the early days of Starfleet. They don't really have a lot of designs yet. This one is the only one that definitely works, mm-hmm. and so. It's weird to me to see variety in the fleet because I always just made that assumption, but that's that's something I made up. So you know, mm-hmm. uh, Matt, what was your good thing? The final moments of this episode are the the closest that Trek has ever come to actually doing horror well, and I enjoyed it so much. Mm-hmm. Like you take the cutest, one of the most recognizable parts of Trek, and then you make it downright terrifying, and it's so good. There's a bit where a woman is being suffocated in a room full of tribbles that is genuinely upsetting. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the moment in Trials and Tribulations where Worf talks about, like, they're an ecological menace and everyone mm. laughs at him. Yeah. And it's, it's and true. It's, it's a funny bit because Dax is making fun of him and Dax making fun of Worf was always great. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, if you think about it for half a second, they would be like that. They yeah. would be a menace and they actually played that out this time and showed what it really was and not just focused on the cute thing and i like that too yeah, yeah. There's all a, they, there's all they great do sh- is consume resources and reproduce they're yeah, like introducing yeah. bullfrogs to australia yeah exactly mm. thank Tribbles god they don't shit. Called them chaswazes. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a shot from outside of the ship where it's just like the windows and it's just full of tribbles and it's so good no, and Brian, you called out the way they reproduce. Like they could actually, instead of just mm-hmm. sort of cutting away and cutting back to more tribbles, they could, you know, they yeah, had they were, they were, now. It was it was literally like like watching. And it was the gremlins know, thing. Like, it, it was, was like when you put a drop little, of water on gizmos. Balls, 
popping yeah. out in all sorts of directions. Well, and that actually, yeah. it, it, I wanted to uh, take a moment to do the kind of uh, deep dive nerd shit we don't usually do on this show, and that I normally hate, but I'm mostly going to be talking about how much I hate it. Uh, okay. Which is, a lot of people, you know the type, were complaining about this one online because it apparently violates canon. I'm like, shut up, nerd. For two uh-huh. reasons. One, shut up, nerd. Uh, but two, more importantly, no, it doesn't. Flox okay. is seen on an episode of Enterprise holding a triple and saying that they are prodigious breeders. Okay. So the thing is, I don't think this episode was trying to imply that Edward is the one that created the triple super breeding. Uh, I think the joke was he thought they bred too slowly because he's a mad scientist who looked at the massive reproductive rate of triples and thought, I bet I can soup that up a bunch. <laughs> Because like these that, triples were like, but they, that is mm-hmm. that is headcanon. Like he never says that out loud. You're, no. you're making yeah, a leap there, which I agree with and I mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. But, but that's, that's not textual for that kind of nerd who gets upset about that kind of thing. Yeah, just tell yourself that that's what it is, and now well, you'll be fine. Because Space Station K seven was not overrun to this extent. They've yeah, just been a no. nuisance before now. Uh, they they have never swarmed to that. They've been filling up entire rooms. So this is clearly a new kind of trouble. Just tell yourself, mm. tell yourself that nerd, and then shut up. <laughs> well, you're you're speaking to a bigger point, which is okay. You can point out the discrepancies, but mm-hmm. this was always the fun thing back in the day with Marvel comics, is they would say the no prize thing. Oh, it would there you be go. Like, come up with an explanation. Like it's fine that you recognize that, but I, then don't just get yeah. mad about it. Like I don't know, maybe maybe this. Maybe yeah, you like what you just said. That's a good explanation that fits. That's yeah, good. Just waiting for the ghost of Archie Goodwin to send me an empty envelope. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your bad thing, Brian? Um, okay, this is a minor thing, but it's a very weird thing. And why didn't anybody on the Cabot have collars on their shirts? Mm. They, I guess the Starfleet uh, black collars are separate from the main shirts. Because they were I wearing the same anyway. uniform. I know you don't like them. <laughs> so I guess it's a good thing for you. But it was just weird. I'm like, why Why did not Edward nor anybody else have collars on their shirts? It was weird. Because they're it's ugly and, and impractical? I suppose. I could just At this point, uniforms are so weird in this show that like... Yep. Because like these guys are dressed like original series except for not the collars. The, the Enterprise has got the Enterprise stuff. Discovery has their own thing, and apparently admirals wear those things. I don't know. Like, it's all over the map. Well, I think, yeah. what is it, that Enterprise has the new, like, deep space uh, uniforms for, like, I don't it's... Okay, but just, we're back just in the cage. Dress, guys, just dress them in the cage stuff. Or yeah, yeah in... I was going to say, we're back in the cage era. Everyone on the Enterprise should be in yellow right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or beige. I would yeah, love... Yeah, no, it wasn't even exactly was it, yellow. Yeah, it, was, but, it was like yeah. mustard, beige, and gray were the three division colors, I think. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't the same, like, you know, bright primary yellow you get later, of course. But, I, anyway. I, I would love just one episode of any Star Trek where it's like, yeah, Starfleet Command pumps out new uniforms every other year, so... Mm-hmm. Randomly I've, sends them off I've to random ships, whatever. I've said it before, and whatever. I'll say it again. The worst one they've ever had was uh, uh, the uniform that anybody on TNG wore when it was, like, two years in the past... And it was just yeah. movie uniforms, but with a crew neck instead of a turtleneck. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, I wear a crew neck, not a V-neck. <laughs> Peanut butter is one word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Uh, once again, hard to find one, but uh, H. John Benjamin's apron looks super Section 31, and I don't want to see that in this episode. Mm-hmm. 
That's fair. Well, at least Section 31 didn't breed them as some kind of deliberate ecological weapon, which oh, that's I could such absolutely a, that's see them doing. such a disco thing to do, man. Yep. I will like the Section 31 TV show if Edward is their chief science officer. That would I just be realized right. how much how much fun the Section 31 show would be if it was just better off Ted but in Starfleet. Oh, yes. God, yes. What's Jay Harrington no. up to these days? We yeah. can just put him we, directly in the show. We talked about this in the supplemental. The only way we're going to like the Section 31 show is mm-hmm. if they dial it completely over the top and don't try to be edgelordy and serious but just go nuts with it. But... They're probably not going to do that because Disco kept like trying to be about things yeah. or trying to shock mm-hmm. you. And like, that's not that's not the way forward, guys. I looked Look it up. up. He's on uh, some cop show. We could get him. Ah, yeah. Look, I put robot parts on a Gorn. Now he's a robot Gorn. Lana. Now he's a Borg, Borg Gorn. Lana, look Gorn at my Borg, Borg. Gorn. La- <laughs> Lana. Lana. Mm-hmm. So my bad thing, I hate to be the, you know, I'm always this guy, but I hate being him. I know I complain about this a lot, and I suspect I'm going to do it a lot more as we get into Picard, but I'm really tired of Star Trek just trotting out all its greatest hits. I I do love that they did an overtly comedic short that then turned, like, dark. Like, it it had not just that effect you were talking about with them uh, breeding, but it had a very Gremlins vibe altogether, that nice mm-hmm. mix of, of comedy and horror. Mm. Um, I, I genuinely like that, and it's an original thing, a tone we haven't seen before. But this team has only really pulled off comedy when they've leaned heavily on stuff from the original series, like Harry Mudd and Tribbles. Like, mm. guys, I, get, I I bet you could think of a situation or a character that hasn't been used before that would be this funny and interesting. It just, like, we yeah. know, we've know we seen Tribbles. We know Tribbles. There's two great episodes about Tribbles. Mm-hmm. But we, we, you could have done this basic story just with, with a slight twist and made up a new thing is all yeah excuse you i believe you mean there are three great episodes about tribbles or are you forgetting more troubles more tribbles i sure am (laughs) by design i believe uh the uh more trouble more tribbles uh uh, this episode has like the vacuum cleaner they use they use in that to pick up dribbles i mean that's not a bad reference if that's if that was in that i don't remember that with a delightful Funk noise. I, yep. I did really like the vacuum cleaner guy just wandering through the background of the scene. Yeah. Yeah, the montage of them trying to come up with ways to get rid of the tribbles was very good. Yep. There's a lot of good, like, little bits. They do the traditional captain sits on a triple, which, you know, they, they yeah. happens in every triple episode. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. They had Edward wandering through the hallway in his underwear while everybody else is trying to figure out what triples are doing. <laughs> There's a look I've never seen The before. next time in he the, walks on the screen, 50- he's zipping up his fly. <laughs> Yeah. In the 50 plus years of Star Trek's history, we have never seen someone in half a Starfleet uniform and tidy white. Yep. He was he was Winnie the Pooh, in shirt yeah. no pants. No, I no, love, no, no. <laughs> he was um he was he was uh uh breaking batting. Oh, oh there you God. Go. Was, he uh-huh. was absolutely uh Walter White. All he was missing was like the fa- the phaser in one hand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> burned out shuttlecraft behind him. Yep. Science bitch. I guess that I guess that's who's his uh I guess uh, I can't. Why can't I think of his name? The Firewolf. Mm. Ugh. Nash Tyler. There yeah. you go. Yeah, that'll Back be salad. Uh, he has so many names. That'll be his uh, his Jesse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is Edward, whatever my last name is. <gasps> this is not bitch. a confession of guilt. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, um, Pike is good. Mm-hmm. They yeah. aren't really having Pike episodes. They just keep having him show up to be kind to people in their own episodes. <laughs> Yeah, he bookends a lot of these shorts, which mm-hmm. is nice, but also, this is probably the last we're ever going to see a Pike. I wish we'd get, like, one that focuses on him. Oh, I don't mm-hmm. know about that. 
What do you mean? Well, I'm sure that Pike show is going to happen at some point. They're pumping uh, out Trek shows like nobody's business. Uh, I don't think so. Mm. I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't know anything. I mean, I want uh, that before the Section 31 show. Oh, like, I so do I. Maybe he could, I mean, if anything else, he could show up in that because yeah. it's set in that era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the guy, but, the guy, like they they know that they've got a good that they've got a good crew with these guys. Like I'm sure they're gonna keep they're gonna bring them back somehow. And Maybe, uh, they're know. they're really lucky that he's able to split his time between this and his amazing smash hit TV show in humans. <laughs> <laughs> oh assume, man, six I seasons in a movie. Funny to more people than just Matt. It was it was Marvel's big TV show Inhu- that they were pushing for, and it got canceled after like three episodes. It was supposed ah. to be like the 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 big new thing, and they they keep forgetting. Nobody gives a fuck about the Inhumans. Well, no, and they were like seeding this for a while, like they were making like Inhumans a huge deal in the comics, yeah. and they kept like pushing Inhumans, 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 that thing. And then the TV show comes out, and everybody's like, "Wow, this is garbage." But he played Black uh, Black Bolt. Yeah, um, you know that character whose real name is Blackagar Boltagon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's not let's not suddenly get all like upset about comics doing that. That's not like the first or even okay. the worst example. But there's of that. there's a difference between like you know uh, this Edward character Nygma? Yeah, Edward Nigma, or actually they have retconned that it's not his real name anymore, like Otto Octavius. Okay. But then it would be like if, if, if Peter Parker was like Spider von Manberg. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if if they were doing the same thing with Edward Nigma, his name would be like Thea Riddlerston. Okay, but there was a character created in the 90s called Harleen Quinzel. I mean, okay, you know, there you go. Yeah, that's one. No, that's fine. Yeah. When we should have known better. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. I'm going to go hide under the sink now. <laughs> Crazy. I'm just saying they're still doing it. So. All right. Uh, yes, no, no, I'm one? not Superman. I'm Steven Uberman. <laughs> <laughs> that guy must be Superman. <laughs> um. I I don't think so. I'm trying to think. What's the um? Uh, I like Noel, uh, who was just one other random guy on the ship that Larkin kept trying mm-hmm. to get support from. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, I've eaten uh, I've eaten one or two triples. His research, they've it's all meat. It's like scallops. I fed one to Noel. Mm-hmm. Noel's a foodie. And, Noel and he like, just like shakes his head don't, vigorously, don't, like don't uh-uh, look at uh-uh. me. <laughs> the, I liked. Uh, and then like I later on, he was like, Noel was no no Noel knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's, uh, yeah. he's the guy that the asshole thinks is his ally, but is yeah. not his ally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like the right. captain. She, she was, was very good. She was like, oh yeah, um, great. But she's that type who's like, oh, she's too young to be a captain. And then five minutes in, it's like, oh mm-hmm. no, but she has the presence. Yeah. The uh, the bit where she was um, doing the transfer was great. Where she was like, I don't know mm-hmm. how you made it this far in your career, mm-hmm. behaving like mm-hmm. this, but. I'm not going to have and you on Pike the kind of fucks it. with her a little bit. It's funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this conversation is over. Well, it's not over as long as I'm talking. The conversation no, can't too, be yeah. over. Um, and like, I'll, no, like, the, when, when God, she's such a when she's shit. like uh, trying to counsel him or trying to like reprimand him or whatever. And like, I've been in meetings like that. I've, I've been on both sides of that. <laughs> and it's it's a kind of leadership we've never seen before where she's. She's not very good at it, but she's trying real hard, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't know, I kind of liked it. Well, this is like her first big break, and she really didn't want this particular thing to happen. Yeah, and then they dropped Edward in her lap. It's yeah, like, exactly. Oh, oh, man. I don't want, well, I don't want an Edward. I, there's going to be real trouble with this Edward. guy. <laughs> it was in the title. Didn't you see the title? No, I like her. Really? I, like, I like the actress. I hope she comes back here. Yeah. I don't know. Did, you, did either of you see uh, Alita? No, that's that's her first big, uh, you know, 
big mm-hmm. uh, movie. I think it's just James mm-hmm. Cameron was just looking for somebody with giant eyes that he could turn into an anime person, but Ugh, yeah. she did a very good job. It was a big mm-hmm. hit, made a lot of money, so... Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, but good. Like no, Avatar, and I never just, saw that. Either. Just yeah. nobody remembers it existed anymore. <laughs> yeah, like Avatar. Yeah. Hey, uh, I recently came across an article on the internet, and I've got some bad news, guys. Uh, Avatar Two has been delayed until possibly as late as 2015, according <laughs> to this article I found from 2012. <laughs> according to this AAA guidebook. <laughs> according Not to this still. Avatar Not fanzine, still. there is no there is no bigger film than. <laughs> Oh, but the scene when they go to the Pandora Wig Sphere is going to be. <laughs> you gonna buy some according Pandora to, wigs or ain't you? According to Avatar Power Magazine, <laughs> Avatar is the greatest movie. All right. Well, uh, before we play your quote, Brian, I want yes. you to. I want, we hadn't talked about the last. Oh yeah, it's so strange, and I'm wondering how many people didn't even know it was there because it's a it's a legit post credit scene. I no, I had. I saw that Matt had watched the episode because I saw the document changed, and mm-hmm. I was like, uh, "You watched through the credits, right?" You yeah, no, sure I had to go back. It. Yeah, there you go. No, I just noticed that like the little like play next thing didn't come up, and I guess my streaming sense was tingling, mm-hmm. and I was like, mm, "They don't do that unless there's a reason yep. to show the credits." And yeah, so after the credits, um, we get, and I don't know if this was purely a joke or if the implication was that Edward survived and is now trying marketing. <laughs> Um, but there is a, a commercial for the hot new breakfast cereal, Tribbles, and there are two absolutely adorable twin girls, uh, and their mom pouring them endless Tribbles out of a box. Yep. It just keeps having more and more Tribbles coming out. The kids are eating these things with all apparent satisfaction, even though they still have the fur on them. And yep. it's just... Oh, and one of them, one of them does a great, like, she's trying to chew fur and she can't really do it. And <laughs> she's like, the face she makes is delightful. <laughs> and then they cut back to her sister and she's like, wow, it tickles. Was it um, available in original Harry Berry and Flamin' Hot Ranch? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they got this cartoon triple mascot. <laughs> there's a line in there somewhere that's like, they're pregnantly delicious. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think that I, I believe that one is in my quote. Oh, God. Ah, well, let's, please. Yeah, so let's, let's play the quote. When your tummy needs a nibble for a bowl of tribbles. We're pregnant. With flavor. Tribbles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> pregnant good. with flavor. There you mm-hmm. go. Uh, Yes. It's just a lot of fun. It's very out of nowhere. I'm... It even has like a little play tracking thing like it was recorded yeah, on it's, TV it's, in the yeah. 80s. And the, mm-hmm. and the audio's sort of muddled like VHS would be if it yeah. was like copied down a couple of generations and the tape was a little worn and it was it very like a lot of good detail went into mm. it yeah and there's like the little thing like the edward additive has not been approved by the starfleet food and drug administration <laughs> yeah because they're, no, the, it's, it's very they're good, the only but... thing with edward tm <laughs> just eat some edward dna kids Ugh. cool cool yeah they're, for- no, was it? Um... they're fortified with human dna the building blocks of life it's <laughs> one way to spin it i guess no they um i that definitely feels like one of those things that's very divisive in fandom and i don't want to hear about it so i did not yeah mm-hmm. seeking yeah. any discourse on that whatsoever you know who you know I who i bet didn't like it shut up nerds you know yeah that's what i was gonna say the, the kind of nerds i was talking about before who yep. need to shut up yeah well yeah it was fun and star trek's trying new things for a change yeah mm-hmm. like okay yeah they're still doing troubles but apart from that the tone was very different and like they've never done something like that commercial before. That was fun. No, it was just it. it, it was that all those nerds liked Enterprise. Yeah, it was just Somebody weirdness on top of more weirdness, and that made me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite good. Uh huh. All right. Anything I, else? 
Um, no, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all for this time. Brian, please do your plugs. And when I was recently on your show, you remembered how to get to your podcast. Yes. So please tell I me you did. still remember okay. how. So I have a podcast. It's called Tinseltown, the Holiday Movies Podcast. And in order to get to it, because Al keeps reminding me to tell people, you go to uh, either your podcasting app and search for Tinseltown. It'll be right there. Or you go to holidaymovies.tumblr.com where we've got uh, some links and whatnot set up for you. As of right now, um, when this post, we will be going uh, completing our run through every single Miracle on 34th Street movie uh, for a month-long project we've called the 34th Street Marathon. Uh, this includes the two that you've heard of and three that you haven't, including one that I had to convince Fox and uh, NBC to both admit that they did not own the rights to. That was very uh, interesting to listen to. <laughs> yeah, that's a really fascinating get, story. Have them email the Library of Congress and tell them that it was an abandoned work. And so mm-hmm. now I'm the only person in the United States who owns a copy of that movie. <laughs> so <laughs> that's weird. fun. It was pretty good, too. This is the, yeah. uh, I would say, the uh, second best version. Um, mm-hmm. Not that that's saying much. Right. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. So we're posting uh, this week. We'll be posting the uh, 1994 with Mara Wilson and Richard Attenborough. Well, now remember, this show does not post until January, so. Oh, I, oh, that's right, that's right. I was thinking out of order. We'll be getting this one done early because we're recording. Yes. Uh, okay, in that case, we'll be done and we'll be into, segue into new thing, our guest month, which starts off with a crossover with these fine gentlemen from the Post-Atomic Horror. Hello. Oh, excellent. And since last just, time we looked just at. Just about uh, to record that now, we, I guess. <laughs> Which is why I thought it was posting this week, but I'm like, oh, no, that's right. We did this early because we're recording now anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, yeah, since we did um, a William Shatner Christmas movie last time, this time we're doing a Patrick Stewart Christmas movie, the uh, mm-hmm. Hallmark 1999 version of A Christmas Carol. Um, mm-hmm. It's something. Hey, Matt, what? just give a little tease. What do you think about the ghost of Christmas past? <laughs> oh. That's, that's correct. So you got that to look forward to. Also, Flonk will be joining us for and that, Flonk so that'll be, be a nice us, yes. sort of like, uh, like uh, mini-pa uh extravaganza there yeah yes and we're also uh just wrapping up the first season of new and a bit alarming the uh, mm-hmm. micro podcast about the 2017 remake of beauty and the beast uh we'll be starting season two which is roland emmerich's godzilla uh, Ooh, before cool. too long so we all that got is that the first time to. anyone has said roland emmerich's godzilla and the reply has been oh cool <laughs> i want to look i want to listen to people talk about that thing it's a mess it's, it sure is. So here's how I decided it was right for the show. I've set an interval timer on my uh, phone for 90 seconds to beep every 90 seconds. And I just watched mm-hmm. the first half hour of the movie. And I was like, if something stupid happens every 90 seconds, we're doing this movie. And mm-hmm. boy, did I get what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. Uh, so let's see. Uh, we have a few things to tell you about. Of course, yes. Endeavor, our uh, Star Trek uh, fanfic podcast, has wrapped its first season. Mm-hmm. By the time you hear this, we will have posted our three-hour creator commentary episode. Oh, Lord. Where we go behind the scenes and tell you how the show was conceived and go through episode by episode and then answer listener mail. There's a, there's a lot of great stuff in it's there. It's great. They talk about show. how the sets were built, what it's like getting Jason mm-hmm. into that makeup, why they do this <laughs> even though it's an audio medium. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. All and, that uh, and so much more. Jason tells the story of how he's got to get in the chair every uh, by at, at 5 a.m. every morning because every actor ever has to tell that same story, and we're all <laughs> sick of hearing it, but they still have to tell it. And, of course, how unhappy he is that they make him take off his cowboy hat, which is why we got to write that into the new season. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> uh, so you can get to that at ussendeavor.com. Uh, our website, as ever, postatomicorror.com. You can write to us, postatomicorror at gmail. 
We are on Twitter at Algar, at Robot Matt. Next week, we will be covering the next two short tracks, Ask mm-hmm. Not and The Girl Who Made the Stars. So look forward to that, and we'll be back next week. Yay. Yay. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2020. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.